Chapter Forty Three of Principles of Geology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Principles of Geology by Charles Lyell. Chapter Forty Three Extinction and Creation of Species theory of the successive extinction of species consistent with a limited geographical distribution opinions of botanists respecting the centres from which plants have been diffused whether there are grounds for inferring that the loss from time to time of certain animals and plants is compensated by the introduction of new species whether any evidence of such new creations could be expected within the historical era the question whether the existing species have been created in succession must be decided by geological monuments successive extinction of species consistent with their limited geographical distribution in the preceding chapters i have pointed out the strict dependence of each species of animal and plant on certain physical conditions in the state of the earth's surface and on the number and attributes of other organic beings inhabiting the same region i have also endeavoured to show that all these conditions are in a state of continual fluctuation the igneous and aqueous agents remodelling from time to time the physical geography of the globe and the migrations of species causing new relations to spring up successively between different organic beings i have deduced as a corollary that the species existing at any particular period must in the course of ages become extinct one after the other they must die out to borrow an emphatical expression from Buffon, because time fights against them if the views which i have taken are just there will be no difficulty in explaining why the habitations of so many species are now restrained within exceedingly narrow limits every local revolution such as those contemplated in the preceding chapter tends to circumscribe the range of some species while it enlarges that of others and if we are led to infer that new species originate in one spot only each must require time to diffuse itself over a wide area it will follow therefore from the adoption of this hypothesis that the recent origin of some species and the high antiquity of others are equally consistent with the general fact of their limited distribution some being local because they have not existed long enough to admit of their wide dissemination others because circumstances in the animate or inanimate world have occurred to restrict the range which they may once have obtained as a general rule however species common to many distant provinces or those now found to inhabit very distant parts of the globe are to be regarded as the most ancient numerically speaking they may not perhaps be largely represented but their wide diffusion 
shows that they have had a long time to spread themselves and have been able to survive many important revolutions in physical geography after so much evidence has been brought to light by the geologist of land and sea having changed places in various regions since the existing species were in being we can feel no surprise that the zoologist and botanist have hitherto found it difficult to refer the geographical distribution of species to any clear and determinate principles since they have usually speculated on the phenomena upon the assumption that the physical geography of the globe had undergone no material alteration since the introduction of the species now living so long as this assumption was made the facts relating to the geography of plants and animals appeared capricious in the extreme and by many the subject was pronounced to be so full of mystery and anomalies that the establishment of a satisfactory theory was hopeless centres from which plants have been diffused some botanists conceived in accordance with the hypothesis of wildenau that mountains were the centres of creation from which the plants now inhabiting large continents have radiated to which de candolet and others with much reason objected that mountains on the contrary are often the barriers between two provinces of distinct vegetation the geologist who is acquainted with the extensive modifications which the surface of the earth has undergone in very recent geological epochs may be able perhaps to reconcile both these theories in their application to different regions a lofty range of mountains which is so ancient as to date from a period when the species of animals and plants differed from those now living will naturally form a barrier between contiguous provinces but a chain which has been raised in great part within the epoch of existing species and around which new lands have arisen from the sea within that period will be a centre of peculiar vegetation in france observes de candolet the alps and savennes prevent a great number of the plants of the south from spreading themselves to the northward but it has been remarked that some species have made their way through the gorges of these chains and are found on their northern sides principally in those places where they are lower and more interrupted now the chains here alluded to have probably been of considerable height ever since the era when the existing vegetation began to appear and were it not for the deep fissures which divide them they might have caused much more abrupt terminations to the extension of distinct assemblages of species parts of the italian peninsula on the other hand have gained a considerable portion of their present height since a majority of the marine species now inhabiting the mediterranean and probably also since the terrestrial plants of the same region were in being large tracts of land have been added both on the adriatic and mediterranean side to what originally constituted 
a much narrower range of mountains if not a chain of islands running nearly north and south like corsica and sardinia it may therefore be presumed that the apennines have been a centre whence species have diffused themselves over the contiguous lower and newer regions in this and all analogous situations the doctrine of wildenau that species have radiated from the mountains as from centres may be well founded introduction of new species if the reader should infer from the facts laid before him in the preceding chapters that the successive extinction of animals and plants may be part of the constant and regular course of nature he will naturally inquire whether there are any means provided for the repair of these losses is it part of the economy of our system that the habitable globe should to a certain extent become depopulated both in the ocean and on the land or that the variety of species should diminish until some new era arrives when a new and extraordinary effort of creative energy is to be displayed or is it possible that new species can be called into being from time to time and yet that so astonishing a phenomenon can escape the observation of naturalists humboldt has characterized these subjects as among the mysteries which natural science cannot reach and he observes that the investigation of the origin of beings does not belong to zoological or botanical geography to geology however these topics do strictly appertain and this science is chiefly interested in inquiries into the state of the animate creation as it now exists with a view of pointing out its relations to antecedent periods when its condition was different before offering any hypothesis towards the solution of so difficult a problem let us consider what kind of evidence we ought to expect in the present state of science of the first appearance of new animals or plants if we could imagine the successive creation of species to constitute like their gradual extinction a regular part of the economy of nature in the first place it is obviously more easy to prove that a species once numerously represented in a given district has ceased to be than that some other which did not pre-exist has made its appearance assuming always for reasons before stated that single stalks only of each animal and plant are originally created and that individuals of new species do not suddenly start up in many different places at once so imperfect has the science of natural history remained down to our own times that within the memory of persons now living the numbers of known animals and plants have been doubled or even quadrupled in many classes new and often conspicuous species are annually discovered in parts of the old continent long inhabited by the most civilized nations conscious therefore of the limited extent of our information we always infer when such discoveries are made that the beings in question 
had previously eluded our research or had at least existed elsewhere and only migrated at a recent period into the territories where we now find them it is difficult even in contemplation to anticipate the time when we shall be entitled to make any other hypothesis in regard to all the marine tribes and to by far the greater number of the terrestrial such as birds which possess such unlimited powers of migration insects which besides the variability of each species in number are also so capable of being diffused to vast distances and cryptogamous plants to which as to many other classes both of the animal and vegetable kingdom similar observations are applicable what kind of evidence of new creations could be expected what kind of proofs therefore could we reasonably expect to find of the origin at a particular period of a new species perhaps it may be said in reply that within the last two or three centuries some forest tree or new quadruped might have been observed to appear suddenly in those parts of england or france which had been most thoroughly investigated that naturalists might have been able to show that no such living being inhabited any other region of the globe and that there was no tradition of anything similar having been before observed in the district where it had made its appearance now although this objection may seem plausible yet its force will be found to depend entirely on the rate of fluctuation which we suppose to prevail in the animate world and on the proportion which such conspicuous subjects of the animal and vegetable kingdoms bear to those which are less known and escape our observation there are perhaps more than a million species of plants and animals exclusive of the microscopic and infusory animalcules now inhabiting the terraqueous globe the terrestrial plants may amount says de candolet to somewhere between one hundred ten thousand and one hundred twenty thousand but the data on which this conjecture is founded are considered by many botanists to be vague and unsatisfactory springle only enumerated in eighteen twenty seven about thirty one thousand known phenogamous and six thousand cryptogamous plants but that naturalist omitted many perhaps seven thousand phenogamous and one thousand cryptogamous species mr lindley in a letter to the author in eighteen thirty six expressed his opinion that it would be rash to speculate on the existence of more than eighty thousand phenogamous and ten thousand cryptogamous plants if we take he says in a letter to the author on this subject thirty seven thousand as the number of published phenogamous species and then add for the undiscovered species in asia and new holland fifteen thousand in africa ten thousand and in america eighteen thousand we have eighty thousand species and if seven thousand be the number of published cryptogamous plants and we allow three thousand for the undiscovered species making ten thousand there would then be on the whole ninety thousand species 
but since that period one catalogue as i learn from dr j hooker contains a list of the names of seventy-eight thousand phenogamous plants which had been published before eighteen forty one it was supposed by linnaeus that there were four or five species of insects in the world for each phenogamous plant but if we may judge from the relative proportion of the two classes in great britain the number of insects must be still greater for the total number of british insects according to the last census is about twelve thousand five hundred whereas there are only fifteen hundred phenogamous plants indigenous to our island as the insects are much more numerous in hot countries than in our temperate latitudes it seems difficult to avoid the conclusion that there are more than half a million species in the world the number of known mammifers when Tamanick wrote exceeded eight hundred and mr waterhouse informs me that more than twelve hundred are now eighteen fifty ascertained to exist baron cuvier estimated the amount of known fishes at six thousand and mr g gray in his genera of birds enumerates eight thousand species we have still to add the reptiles and all the invertebrated animals exclusive of insects it remains in a great degree mere matter of conjecture what proportion the aquatic tribes may bear to the denizens of the land but the habitable surface beneath the waters can hardly be estimated at less than double that of the continents and islands even admitting that a very considerable area is destitute of life in consequence of great depth cold darkness and other circumstances in the late polar expedition it was found that in some regions as in baffin's bay there were marine animals inhabiting the bottom at great depths where the temperature of the water was below the freezing point that there is life at much greater profundities in warmer regions may be confidently inferred the ocean teems with life the class of polyps alone are conjectured by lamarck to be as strong in individuals as insects every tropical reef is described as covered with corals and sponges and swarming with crustacea echini and testacea while almost every tide-washed rock in the world is carpeted with fusi and supports some corallines actinae and mollusca there are innumerable forms in the seas of the warmer zones which have scarcely begun to attract the attention of the naturalist and there are parasitic animals without number three or four of which are sometimes appropriated to one genus as to the whale balena for example even though we concede therefore that the geographical range of marine species is more extensive in general than that of the terrestrial the temperature of the sea being more uniform and the land impeding less the migrations of the oceanic than the ocean those of the terrestrial species yet it seems probable that the aquatic tribes far exceed in number the inhabitants of the land without insisting on this point it may be safe to assume 
that exclusive of microscopic beings there are between one and two millions of species now inhabiting the terraqueous globe so that if only one of these were to become extinct annually and one new one were to be every year called into being much more than a million of years might be required to bring about a complete revolution in organic life i am not hazarding at present any hypothesis as to the probable rate of change but none will deny that when the annual birth and the annual death of one species on the globe is proposed as a mere speculation this at least is to imagine no slight degree of instability in the animate creation if we divide the surface of the earth into twenty regions of equal area one of these might comprehend a space of land and water about equal in dimensions to europe and might contain a twentieth part of the million of species which may be assumed to exist in the animal kingdom in this region one species only would according to the rate of mortality before assumed perish in twenty years or only five out of fifty thousand in the course of a century but as a considerable proportion of the whole would belong to the aquatic classes with which we have a very imperfect acquaintance we must exclude them from our consideration and if they constitute half of the entire number then one species only might be lost in forty years among the terrestrial tribes now the mammalia whether terrestrial or aquatic bear so small a proportion to other classes of animals forming less perhaps than one thousandth part of the whole that if the longevity of species in the different orders were equal a vast period must elapse before it would come to the turn of this conspicuous class to lose one of their number if one species only of the whole animal kingdom died out in forty years no more than one mammifer might disappear in forty thousand years in a region of the dimensions of europe it is easy therefore to see that in a small portion of such an area in countries for example of the size of england and france periods of much greater duration must elapse before it would be possible to authenticate the first appearance of one of the larger plants and animals assuming the annual birth and death of one species to be the rate of vicissitude in the animate creation throughout the world the observations of naturalists upon living species may in the course of future centuries accumulate positive data from which an insight into the laws which govern this part of our terrestrial system may be derived but in the present deficiency of historical records we have traced up the subject to that point where geological monuments alone are capable of leading us on to the discovery of ulterior truths to these therefore we must appeal carefully examining the strata of recent formation wherein the remains of living species both animal and vegetable are known to occur we must study these strata in strict reference to their chronological order 
as deduced from their superposition and other relations from these sources we may learn which of the species now our contemporaries have survived the greatest revolutions of the earth's surface which of them have coexisted with the greatest number of animals and plants now extinct and which have made their appearance only when the animate world had nearly attained its present condition from such data we may be enabled to infer whether species have been called into existence in succession or all at one period whether singly or by group simultaneously whether the antiquity of man may be as high as that of any of the inferior beings which now share the planet with him or whether the human species is one of the most recent of the whole to some of these questions we can even now return a satisfactory answer and with regard to the rest we have some data to guide conjecture and to enable us to speculate with advantage but in order to be fully qualified to enter upon such discussions the reader must study the ample body of materials amassed by the industry of modern geologists End of chapter forty three